0: Take your Bibles and turn to Revelation and chapter uh, 22 and verses 1 and 2 Uh, as we look at part 3 of Heavenly Healing. And um, sometimes some guys like to have fun with me and they say, well, how long is this series going to be? You know, I got to thinking about that. And I was looking through some of my dad's old sermons and I remember the last two years, about... Every sermon was John three sixteen. So I'll try to keep my series shorter than his, all right? Shorter than two years. I'll I promise that. Okay. All right. Revelation chapter twenty two and verses one and two. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. is that great? The throne of God and the Lamb. The Father and Son together on this. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. And sometimes I've heard people say, yeah, there's trees up down that, river. It doesn't say that. It's trees. a singular word there. The tree of life. That river flowing from the throne of God, what kind of a tree is that that bears fruit that goes, reaches to each side of the river? And it says, which uh, bears 12 matter of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree... Or for the healing of the nations. Now shall we pray. Father, as we look into your word today, this very special passage is so often thought of in such a way that we apply our thinking, we apply our uh, ideas and try to revolve it around there. But it's your word and it's our Holy Spirit that's got to give understanding. What we do know is it's a true thing. It's real. But only those that have partaken of the fruit of that tree will be those who are saved, those who have received Christ before their spirit left their life, their bodies. So, Lord, if there's one under the sound of my voice today who does not know Jesus Christ as Savior, May they realize that the only way they're going to partake of that is to receive Christ as the Lord and Savior. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. So, Lord, I pray, I pray, Lord, anyone without Christ or not sure if they die today, that heaven's their home, will come to him today in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, we last week look looked at the, verse 2. Uh, and the question was, why healing? If uh, this is a new earth and a new heaven, the lost in chapter 20, verse 11 through 15, the lost were cast into the lake of fire with Satan and his angels. And they're there forever. No ceasing to escape, uh, uh, exist and no, no escape. And so they are there forever as they were cast there from the great white throne. So why is healing when everyone in heaven who has been resurrected has a body fashioned likened to his glorious body? Not as these vile bodies that we uh, possess right now. And so with that thought in mind, last Sunday morning we did consider that great white throne as we saw in Revelation chapter 20 verse 11 through 15. And we told you then that everyone that appears at this uh, great white throne is not going to decide whether they go to heaven or to hell. They're going to hell. They're going to that eternal lake of fire. It doesn't determine where they're going. It's kind of like a guy has been found guilty in a court of law. And the judge says, We will set a sentencing date for such and such a time. And they have that date set up. Once you die without Christ, you are forever guilty. The sentencing date will be that great white throne judgment. So everyone judged there is going to the lake of fire. And you say, well, why in the world do they have that then? Because... All things of your life, every thought, every deed, every intent, everything would be brought forth, would be known, and it would determine the power, or you might say the punishment for all eternity for each individual in that eternal lake of fire. Hell will be worse, that eternal lake of fire will be worse for some than it is for others. But all of it will be bad. That's why if you're not sure if you die today that heaven's your home, man, you better make sure before you leave this auditorium. There is no guarantee of tomorrow. Now, one of the things, though, that we pointed out is for the saved. We don't appear at the white throne judgment. But I believe that we will witness it. Like those sitting in a courtroom observing a trial case going forward. And, and we'll be sitting there. And we will see it. We'll stand there. Our judgment took place already on the cross. For our sin. For all our sin. You see, it was applied to us when we received him as our Lord and Savior. Every person in the lake of fire. Everyone that enters that lake of fire. Their sin was paid for. But they did not receive it. They did not receive the payment by receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. We consider Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 8 and 9. This is a verse I, I sometimes have to laugh about it, because not because the verse is funny, but because those that are of a liberal turn get upset. Oh, you shouldn't put that guilt on a Christian. Well, we don't. It's the word of God. If it puts guilt on you, you got to make it right. But he says there that uh, those that die without Christ, people that you know, maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's somebody that uh, is in your neighborhood that you are acquainted with. Maybe it's someone else that you come across and you could have witnessed to them. You could have even given them a tract to say, you know, this this is what changed my life. This told me how to uh, know that I'm going to heaven. I'd like for you to read it. But you never tried that even. Never witnessed to a lost soul. Because they were allowed to come into our range who are saved. Their blood, the Lord says, I require at thy hand you could have witness to that person. The blood on your hand does not mean you lose your salvation. The blood on your hand means you lose reward. There is a crown given for those that uh, seek to turn people to righteousness. And it's for each one that would turn anyone to righteousness. Righteousness. There is a crown promised by God for that. But, you witness to them. You try to lead them to Christ. You give them that track, and say, please read this, tell you how to get to heaven. And they won't do it. They reject it. Then understand, that blood is not required at your hand. Even though they did not get saved. Now, last Sunday night, we went into the judgment seat of Christ because everyone at the judgment seat of Christ is going to heaven. Not one of the person at the judgment seat of Christ, which is different than the white throne, not one person will be cast into the lake of fire. Instead, they are going to heaven and like in Revelation chapter 4, we see the throne of God there, the Father and the Lamb again, God and the Lamb. You see, the thrones, we always think of it, maybe a seat a lot bigger than this one, but kind of like a big throne, you know, and we say, oh, that king sits in that throne." But usually the thrones back in that day, you could set two or three people on them. When they'd say, he would set the right hand. That was a place of high authority that was given by the king to someone. And there is the father and the son who are one. And yet when Christ took on humanity, he also, in his humanity, submitted himself and his humanity to the Father. He did that for us, by the way. Because God so loved the world, and Christ so loved the world. That's why he told us to love one another as he loves us. And so, again, uh, we had the promise with that rainbow that, sur- that surrounds that throne. It's the promise of everlasting life. In Noah's day, it was a promise that he would never destroy the worlds again by a flood of waters. But for us, it's the promise of everlasting life. Never will we be separated from God at all. So it's the throne of God and of the Lamb. We saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11, it referred there. To this judgment seat we call it the judgment seat of christ uh, scholars like to call it the bema seat because that's the greek word for it it was a rewarding stand uh, that they went to in the greek games the winners got well taken care of at that one but uh, the saved will be there it will determine the degree of reward that you have for all eternity uh, you remember as the Lord told, and I, I think I shared this last time, that God gave these each guy so many talents. and One increased his up to ten. The one that had one just buried it at the ground, didn't use it for the Lord. The Lord gave it to him, but he did not use it for the Lord. He did not try to increase it. So when the counting was given, the Lord said, take it from him that hath the one, and give it to him that hath the ten. Lord, he has ten. Yes, he is faithful. Well, in eternity, there will be some saved so as by fire, but there will be those who are there who lost reward. And as a matter of fact, we see after he says the for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, we find also about the terror of the Lord. And so you say, well, what if I witness somebody and they don't get saved? Again, the blood's not on your hand. Why? Because every human being was created in the image of God. That is, God is a spirit, and we have a spirit. You're not in the image of God, no human being in the image of God, if If they were elected to go to hell. And elected to go to heaven. However. No. You have a free spirit. So you can make that decision. That way it becomes a decision of love. And faith. Not a decision that you made. Because you couldn't help it. You love Jesus Christ. Because he gave himself for you. So it's not a loss of reward. Although it might be a kind of breaks our heart to see them having rejected. So what we covered last Sunday night was not seeking some things that a Christian should do. For example, we should seek to know the will of God for our life. Do you know God has a specific will for your life? We covered in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace, it's God's grace. And, and by the way, we hear about a lot of sin, All big, evil, bad sin that's bad in our sight. All sin is bad in God's sight. But he says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That's why you can read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. And you can see the sins of homosexuality, of drunkards, of, of all types of things. Those people got saved. And he says, such were some of you. Because if any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And so that happens at that time. And so he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. You don't earn it. It is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. Why? Because our Lord is righteous in all his ways. And holy in all his works. If our works is what did it. It would lack the righteousness and holiness that we need before God. And so. Not by works. Lest any man should boast. The problem is too many stop there and they don't see the next verse. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained. That we should walk in them. In other words, if you're saved, God, before you were even saved, had a work ordained that if you received him, this would be his will for you as a saved person. You better answer this between you and God in your heart and mind. Am I doing God's will for me right now? Am I doing with my life what God wants me to do with my life? You can avoid that answer. Right now, but one day you'll stand before God and you can't avoid it. And so, what happens when that happens? Well, that just means a loss of reward. You see, when God calls you to do something, He doesn't call you to start. And then quit. He calls you to start and finish the job, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what seems to go against you. You start and you depend on God to take you through all of those circumstances, all those trials, all those troubles, because he will. He will. Now. How does a person lose reward? In First Corinthians chapter three, verses nine through uh, fifteen, he talks about counting the loss. Uh, well, what would you lose for? Well, you'd lose reward. For example, we talked about witnessing, a crown. You'd lose the reward. Doing the will of God, you quit. There's a crown for doing that and not quitting. Enduring afflictions. That crown of righteousness. And on we could go about the crowns that are laid up for Christians that stick with it and don't quit and keep on keeping on for Jesus Christ. So, you just do it because you love the Lord. And you lean on him daily for your power. But understand, just like the unsaved, one second, the very second his spirit leaves this body, it's too late for them to get saved. The very second your spirit leaves this body, it's too late for you as a saved person to do anything else for Christ. In preparing For that day you appear before him. You see, counting the loss will be things that we should do and we do not do. As a matter of fact, chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, he talks about we are laborers together with God. Now think about that. I'm a laborer with God. That Christ is the foundation. And we're trying to build on that foundation. But understand in eternity. We're going to rule and reign with him. I believe. That lost reward means that somebody else will have. In that new earth. A kingdom. That you could have had. But you can still serve in that kingdom. We saw in Revelation chapter 7 that there's a group that's been caught up to be with the Lord. They were martyred for their testimony of Jesus and for the gospel's sake. They were Gentiles. It's a great multitude of them in Revelation chapter 7. And we read something about it because this, the tribulation's still going on in earth when this happens. The tribulation's going on. They were killed during that tribulation. Their spirits are caught up to be with the Lord. In Revelation chapter 6, there are those spirits that are under the altar that sees the new bodies of the Christians that have been raptured and says, Oh Lord, how long? (laughs) How long? Lord, holy, and true. He gives them white robes until the time that He's going to give them that new body. But here, these are up there, and we read that the Lord shall wipe all tears from their eyes. And yet, that's not after the final judgment. You see, you'll have a millennium after the tribulation is over. Christ comes back, that 1,000 year millennial reign of Christ is set up. Satan is loose from that prison for just a little bit. For a season, the Bible says, for a short season. But then he is cast into that lake of fire where the beast and the false prophet are. And all those without Christ. Then the eternal reign begins, which you start seeing in Revelation chapter Twenty-one, where it comes down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And yet, we saw in Revelation 21, 4, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more crying, and that the Lord dries all tears from their eyes. Now, you I mean, people have been in heaven and had their tears dried from their eyes? Like this group during the tribulation period that's in heaven that were martyred and caught up? And tears are dried again? Well, what is that about? Well, don't forget, at the judgment seat of Christ, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, there was a reward That is lost, I believe. Now let me just read 510 first before I go into verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 4. But in 2 Corinthians 510, we read, For we must all appear, that's every saved person. If you're saved, this pertains to you. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body that is in this lifetime whether it be good or bad. But now when you think about that, whether it's good or bad, what about that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which follows chapter 4, verse 5, uh, and I'm going to read that in a moment, but not quite yet. But in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 5, verse 1, it begins talking about a man in the church. He's a saved man. The Bible lets us know he is actually a saved man. But he's accused of something because he's done something that's not even mentioned among the Gentiles. That is the unsaved, the heathen. Is that he has his father's wife. Now that could have been his stepmother or whatever. But whatever it was. His father's wife. And that was repulsive even. To the heathens. Those involved in all types of sin. But that was repulsive. But the thing is. They were told put that man out. From your midst. Until he repents. He repents. Now evidently in 2 Corinthians. Some people had a hard time restoring him. And so they're told. Restore such a one. Why would he restore someone that had been guilty of that? Because you can't see their heart. Well God is cleansed. Don't call it common or unclean. When God does a work. He does a complete work. Now, in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, then you think of it with those thoughts in mind where he says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Wait a minute, the hidden things of darkness? See, some of those hidden things of darkness might be pornography. It might be something else that you have done in the hidden things of darkness. Maybe it's that skeleton in the closet. You did it. You're shamed. You're convicted. But no one knows about it. It is secret. Perhaps that pornography keeps going. Perhaps that drug keeps being used. And whatever it is, it's still delved into. But you're saved. God will make it known. The hidden things of darkness and the counsels of the heart. Maybe there's an affair that you had one time with someone. And no one knows about it. Your spouse doesn't know. You say, well, you don't know my spouse. If I tell my spouse, boy, uh, she'll be mad. He'll be mad. and, And they'll be hurt and all this other stuff. And boy, it'll just cause really a whole lot of problems. I don't want to do that. I love them too much. And they don't. And the thing is, though, in heaven, when these things are made known, not only will that spouse know, your children that are in heaven will know. Because you thought it best here not to have to face that. Now, look, in my ministry, I I remember a couple, uh, oh, here, is here. I'm not going to tell you who they are because they're both dead. But I've had this happen on more than one occasion. I hadn't talked to the guy, but he got under conviction about it from the Lord. Told his wife about it. Boy, she was hurt. She come to me. All that. And one thing I let her know. You'll never forgive your husband of more than God's forgiven you. None of us will forgive anybody more than God's forgiven us. Secondly, he could have kept that hid from you the rest of his life. He chose to stay with you. He wanted to make it right. It took her a while, but she got right. She got right with that. And the couple did all right from that point forward. Again, we will face eternity. Some people, they get hit with things like that. That puts a responsibility on you to forgive. And that might be hard. It, it, it is hard for the, them to do that. But, just understand. You have something against someone. And the Lord's told you to forgive them for he'll forgive you as you forgive others. And you won't forgive that person. How are you going to take things to God expect him to forgive you? I, I've heard of this. Now, I've not seen, I'm not a Facebook person. I've heard, I've heard of, uh, might be a man, might be a woman, but they found out something bad about their spouse and they're in trouble and all that. And boy, they, they feel Facebook with how terrible that guy is, how terrible that woman is. Oh, my goodness. If you ever wanted to keep them, you just about ruined any chance of that happening. It wasn't them that ruined it, you ruined it. What they did was wrong, but you ruined it because your response, God doesn't respond to you that way. He's willing to forgive. Now, I've seen those, knowing about them, They've stole, they've embezzled money from businesses. Uh, there are people that are saved. They privately drink. We think of all these things I've mentioned so far, you say, man, those are terrible. Those are abominable. Matter of fact, of homosexuality in the Old Testament, he uses the word abomination before God. But he also uses the same word to sow discord among brethren as an abomination. It's just as evil to go around talking about somebody, finding out, digging into their past, and looking to say, oh, guess what? And you go around and tell everybody, gotta watch this guy, gotta watch that lady, you got to watch this person. And they dig for dirt. Diggeth up evil, problems. calls it. God says those people are an abomination to him. They make him sick in his stomach. You dug something up, you found out something, why don't you go over and try to help those people instead of going around telling everybody else about them. You say, well, why are you saying that? Is that going on here? I don't know. (laughs) They certainly don't come to me. But what I'm saying is is this. One day everybody will know it. when it's too late to do something about it if you don't do something about it now. I don't want you to look bad in heaven. I want you to look good. I don't want you to lose reward. I want you to have reward. In the counsels of the heart. Now you say, pastor, is that what those healing waters, those healing fruits are for? No, I don't believe so. Wait a minute. This tree comes out from the throne of God, the Father and the Son. It flows out. And as it flows out, this tree of life, remember there were, there was an angel there with a flaming sword keeping anybody at the garden from going in to eat of that tree of life, because if they ate of it, they could never be saved. That's why they're prevented from going to it. They could have never been saved. And so they're prevented. this tree of life we're free to partake of. You say, why? Because we have a body now fashioned like unto His glorious body. Not only has our sin been paid for, their sin is removed from our presence and that evil nature, that sin nature is forever gone. So, why do we need healing if that's gone? Is it because, well, we see these kingdoms, and yes, we may serve in heaven, we may serve there here on earth, and somebody else has a kingdom that we, but we're serving none, we're getting to serve the Lord that way, and is that it? No. Think of it this way. Because the uh, kings of the nations bring their glory to it. Who are the kings of the nations in the eternal kingdom? They're those that are ruling and reigning with Christ. They bring in what's produced for the Lord. Oh, the healing of the nations. Kind of like a super vitamin. And yet a food that fulfills each individual. When you think that I have been blessed, and could not be blessed any more than this. And they get even a greater blessing. Oh, that tree of life. That tree of the forever life. That's why we read in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, where it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, Jesus was the author, and he's the finisher. And you remember what they said in 2 Peter 3, 9? He's not willing that any, not any, that means not any. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Any soul you see walking on the face of the earth, still breathing, can be saved. So therefore, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, oh, he saw that throne. He saw the glory of heaven oh he saw everything that river of water of life the water the word of god by the spirit of god flowing into each one the water of life and there it is for the joy that was set before him endured the cross he endured it. it is for joy and love for us that he endured it he didn't enjoy the cross says here, despising the shame. He was hung naked on there. But not only was that a shame, the greater shame was that your sin, my sin, was laid there right upon him. That blood being shed was innocent blood. But it paid the penalty in full for you and me. Despising the shame. And is set down. Set in place. Set. You put something in concrete and it dries around and hardens. It's there. Set at the right hand of God. At the right hand of the throne of God. The Holy Spirit flowing from that. The Trinity is active in our life throughout all eternity. Now, are you sure you're saved? You know, Second Corinthians five seventeen says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Yes, when Christ died on the cross, he died for every sin you ever have or ever will commit. He was buried and he rose up bodily, victoriously over hell and the grave. That's why the Bible says in Revelation 18 that he has the keys of hell and of death. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes into the father, but by me. My friend, I believe that the very first commandment after a person is saved is to get baptized by immersion. That doesn't save you. that's an act of righteousness. Jesus said it behooves us to be, to fulfill all righteousness. But it also shows if you're saved, If it's something real, then you will follow up in baptism because it's the very first command you have. You got saved? I don't feel like, I got baptized as a baby. Oh, was that before you got saved? Yes. Doesn't count. Follows baptism. Church membership. Should you belong to a local church? Yeah. Christ is the founder of the local church. Someone said, it may shock you, but Jesus wasn't a Baptist. But he designed Baptist doctrine. Because it's Bible doctrine all the way. So understand, the word of God tells us the way to heaven. That's why he preserved it for us. But you must receive him. As your Lord and Savior. It's not joining a club. It's not saying magic words. If you pray this prayer, boy, that'll save you. No, it's receiving Him into your life as your Lord and Savior. He'll do it. He'll in no wise cast you out, He says. But understand, He's Lord, not you. He's Savior, not you. It's not your works, it's not your membership, it's not your baptism. It's Christ and Christ alone that saves. Let's bow our heads, please.